0: This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras on six eighty CJOB.
1: Hello, welcome to the show, Jim. How you doing?
2: Doing very Camp well, beach. sir. How are you? Happy Wednesday. I'm running around. I don't you're, know what's going you're on very today. Very busy today. Very frantic. I'm running
1: around, frantic, trying to get a bunch of stuff done. What um, stuff?
2: Like, you're going somewhere? No,
1: I don't know what it is today. I'm just like, I'm just we're, like. are going somewhere tomorrow.
2: Is yes. Is that what it is?
1: That might be what it is. That's absolutely right. Going on the, the road. The Center Port Rail Park, Canadian Rail Park, Canadian Rail Park, Manitoba Open. We're going to be down there tomorrow. 680 CGOB is going to be broadcasting down there uh, for PGA Tour Canada, making it stop there. Uh, Eighth of ten stops, I believe. One of the bigger events on there, so we're really excited to be down there tomorrow. Got a great group of guests lined up, including a Braxton Coons, three-time Manitoba Amateur Championship. He's going to be joining us right off the bat, so we're looking forward to that. Uh, As the show rolls on, we're going to be speaking to Marnie Blunt. She is down uh, in Sioux Valley. Uh, Dakota Nation, just uh, outside of Brandon. Uh, Zach Whitecloud, it's his day with the Cup there. Of course, Stanley Cup champion. We'll speak to Marnie uh, at around 12.45. uh, After the news with Skylar Peters, uh, latest reports on Mark Scheifele and Connor Hellebuck. Uh, What are we hearing from uh, Daily Face-Off's Frank Cervale? We'll get to that after 12.30. But first, joining the show... St. Louis Blues reporter, writer uh, with the Hockey News, as well as NHL.com, Lou Korak joining us now as we do our little off-season Central Division tour. Uh, Lou, how you doing?
0: Good
2: afternoon. How are you guys? Good, Lou. Thanks for joining us. Things are well. Hopefully the same with you. Are you ready for hockey?
0: <laughs> yeah, actually, I am. It seems like it's been a, a longer than usual off-season around here, and Man, I'll tell you what, these days down here, I don't know how much you guys get of this up here, but uh, it's temperatures have reached triple digits down here, and uh, it's, it's, it's extremely hot. So, yeah, we're looking forward to getting back into a, a nice, ice cold ice rink.
1: Yeah, my mom's best friend lives down in St. Cloud, Minnesota, and we went down there and visited her today, I mean, uh, this summer, and she was just here and left on Tuesday back down to St. Cloud. She was visiting us here in Manitoba, and it was, you know, normal, I think, what, 22, 23 yesterday, and down there in Minnesota, just six and a half hours south, it was 38 degrees, which would be, like, if I'm translating it into Fahrenheit, would be 100, 110, 105, something close to there?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's... The dew points are ridiculous around here. I know that uh, the MLS team here, St. Louis City, played on Sunday night. You're talking about a 9 o'clock game and the dew points were up near 78, 79, 80, which is is really, really oppressive. I mean, I'm a guy that Grew up playing soccer myself, and I'll tell you what, that almost feels like you're putting a a wet towel over your head and trying to breathe through it. So imagine those guys trying to do that in a 90-minute soccer match.
1: Yeah, that's for sure, Lou. Oh, We'll get to hockey here. Uh, The St. Louis Blues. Now, this is a team, when I look at the the rosters of each uh, club here in the Central Division, and I look at the St. Louis Blues and their season last year, and I look towards this one, I think there's a lot of things that are unclear about this team uh, and what they're going to look like this year. I have no idea where to pinpoint them. I I don't think they're going to be particularly good, um, but I I could also see them being, you know, surprising a bit. I mean, they still got some great players. Uh, I mean, how do you see things, Lou?
0: The million-dollar question around here, guys, it really is. I mean, uh, you know, you make... You make minimal changes, and yet this is a group that feels like they grossly underachieved last year, which they did. I mean, it's a lot of the group that uh, returned from a team that had 109 points the previous season and uh, pushed the Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche in the second round probably as hard as anybody in in the Stanley Cup playoffs two years ago. So um, they took a big dip, and uh, a lot of them, you know, and just talking to them at their exit meetings, uh, guys that knew that we're going to be back here this year, you know, had to take a a hard look in the mirror and, you know, you've got a management team that went out, you know, did their business at the draft, knew, knew they had to to retool and replenish, uh, you know, the prospect stock a little bit here. And they certainly did that, but, uh, you know, you bring in, uh, Kevin Hayes, who you guys are familiar with, who I think, I think he's going to slot in and do a good job here as a, you know, he can play as high as maybe a two center, probably going to be a three center on this team, depending on what they do with Braden Shen. And you bring back a glue guy like an Oscar Sundquist, which might not sound like one of those splashy moves, but I'll tell you what, he's had uh, the best years of his career here in St. Louis and uh, a guy that's coming in here on a on playing on the NHL minimum and probably looking to uh, resuscitate his career and uh, trying to get a contract for next year. So not a whole lot has been done. Uh, management is confident and uh, banking on some of these guys, especially on their blue line that, you know, guys in particular that really underachieved expecting them to have bounce back years. And uh, Jordan Bennington, obviously him as well as part of that group. Uh, so, those are the questions that are going to have to be answered here, and uh, we'll find out just uh, how much of a reality check these guys got when they return for training camp here in a couple of weeks.
2: Lou, I was going to ask you about Robert Thomas and Kyru, and if it's their team, but you brought up Bennington, so let's go with this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Dude, imagine that. <laughs> yeah. um,
2: I, look, he's one of those guys that I want to like, but I can't. Um, and he's one of those guys that I want to like because of his competitiveness, his his yeah. you know his willing to win, his do, and then it's the out of control. Um, if you're going to play the puck like a defenseman, you should be hit like a defenseman. What is this guy doing? Um, Where's Jordan Biddington at this point in his career? And maybe a little bit about him. Like, I I shouldn't dislike him because I don't know him at all. But who is Jordan Biddington, and and where is he with this team? Because I think even last year, the head coach, some of his – and I would imagine being around hockey enough that it doesn't all sit well with his teammates also.
0: No, you know what it's uh it, those are fair points to ask, especially from like you said from people that just aren 't around him every day and maybe don 't see the humble side if if anybody can actually you know grasp that there is a humble side to the guy I mean I see him quite a bit, and uh, you 're right when you when you say he 's a competitive guy there's no doubt in my mind, probably as competitive as anybody in that locker room, and I think that's what probably brings out a lot of the what a lot of people like to call antics from him um he doesn't like to lose but who does i mean that's that that's just part of human nature and but it's just the way you kind of i don't know conduct yourself i guess and he is just one of those guys that likes to let you know that he has that competitive spirit and uh if sometimes it takes crossing the line and going over that edge in order to not only maybe bring himself up but also give a boost to his teammates that's just the kind of guy that he feels like that he is but if you see him in the locker room very humble very quiet guy very approachable if you if you sit down and actually talk to him you, you actually enjoy having a conversation with him and I've done it you know I've done it on on occasion not all the time because you know goalies to me they're kind of the uh, creatures of habit and like to be in their own little bubble in their own little world sometimes, but there are times where you could just sit down and have a conversation with them. And you come away with it thinking, man, this guy really has a high hockey IQ and he really does. I mean, and it's understandable. I mean, rookie year, he goes out and, you know, could it have gone any better for him? No. I mean, and you're probably thinking, man, this is, this is probably coming a little easier for me than anticipated. And then you get a little bit of a reality check because now you're the target Now you're the target, and people know who you are. People know what you have, and he has a Stanley Cup. Nobody's ever going to take that away from him. Uh, First goalie in Blues history to deliver a Stanley Cup to St. Louis. So all of that comes into play. So I think last year kind of goes along with a lot of these guys that it was a very, very humbling experience, and he's one that I'm really going to focus on and pay attention to to see what he did this summer, how he comes in here and approaches things because he got paid well like, and rightfully so that just comes with the territory of being a Stanley cup champion. Uh, We've seen it with other teams in the past and uh, he got, you know, he got his due rewards in in, in that regard. So he's set. And, but now it's, what do you, what do you have to prove moving forward? And I think there's a lot for him to prove moving forward because there are a lot of detractors out there that feel like maybe he's one of those Cam Ward type one hit wonders. And uh, you know, He won't admit it, but I think, you know, that's something. He's always kind of been that guy where he feels like it's me against the world. And when he gets in that mindset, that's usually what brings out the best in him. And we'll see if that's the case moving forward here.
1: Well, Jim didn't ask you, but I will, about Robert Thomas and uh, Jordan Cairo. Um, How do you feel about their leadership last year? And, you know, it's Vladimir Tarasenko's gone, Ryan O'Reilly's gone. I mean, I, I it looks to me like it's their team.
0: The spotlight's going to be on them, guys, no yeah. doubt about it. And uh, you know, they're they're being paid like it now. Their their contracts are kicking in. They are the highest paid players on the team. So, now you're expect to ascend yourself to a, to a certain level. And to me, I think it's yet to be seen if they can get there. And I think the guy that probably in that regard when you say leadership that will probably get there sooner than the other, I would say is Robert Thomas because he's been through more, and he was part of that Stanley Cup-winning team that won it in 2019, and he learned a lot from a lot of those veteran guys, you know, that have been there and done that, and saw the nuances and things that go on behind the scenes and in the locker room, and and the way you're supposed to lead a successful team. Uh, Jordan Kyrou, uh, the talent's there, no doubt about it. We've seen it. Um, And I think uh, there's going to be a spotlight on him as well because it's been known and it's been put out there publicly that there's more expected of him, not just from uh, the offensive side, which, you know, the Blues have all the confidence in the world that he can provide that, but also on the other side of the puck. What do you start doing on the other side of the puck? And I get hammered with that down here with uh, Blues fans that feel like we tend to pick on him too much because, you know, they always bring up a guy like Brett Hall. Well, look at look at his defensive side of the game and look at the kind of numbers he was able to put up. And you try to get people to understand the game has changed quite a bit since those days. So mm-hmm. uh, in order for you to be as successful, look at some of the great successful players in the league nowadays. They play a two-way game. And that's just the hum- that's just a part of it, uh, the way you have to play in the National Hockey League these days. And, you know, Jordan Cairo is kind of he, – he's starting to grasp it and starting to understand it. Again, another one of those guys that you're going to keep an eye on to see if he's made those necessary subtle changes that's going to ascend him to that next level.
1: Lou Korak, uh, St. Louis Blues writer. He writes for the Hockey News, writes for NHL.com. Lou, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate and talk during the season.
2: Appreciate it, guys. Take care. Thanks, Lou. All the best.
1: Great stuff from Sweet Lou Korak there. Sweet Lou. 204-780-6868. 204-780-6868. Still to come here on Jets at Noon. Marnie Blunt is down in Sioux Valley, Dakota Nation. Uh, She's going to be joining us at 1245. Zach Whitecloud, of course, uh, a member of the First Nation there. His day with the cup. It's down there. We will speak to Marnie. uh, And coming up after... The twelve thirty news with Skyler Peters. The latest on Connor Hellebach and Mark Shifley from the Daily Face Off. We will talk about uh, that news from Frank Zara Valley when we come back. Don't go anywhere.
2: Jets at noon on six eighty CJOB. Right now, twenty degrees at six eighty CJOB. These guys won't rain on your parade. It's Jets at noon. No, we
1: won't. Well, Skyler Peters, I want to get your opinion on this. William Nylander and his ongoing contract negotiations with the Toronto Maple Leafs. He wants 10. They're paying John Tavares 11. Do you keep Nylander over Tavares?
0: Well, can you keep them both? No. Can you afford to? You can't.
1: Well, you, you can, can, but so, you have
2: to trade 19 players. Yeah.
1: <laughs> hey,
2: you so have John to, you Tavares
1: have to, plays 36 yeah, minutes a night. You have to carry eight guys <laughs> on your roster. <laughs>
2: And each of them has to take four shifts on D, a period. Well, that's no different than the Maple Leafs D has constructed, I don't think, putting forwards back there. But it just, like, to me, like, William Nylander, if you're paying John 11, he's slightly outscoring John, not by a lot, but Mm -hmm. he's outscoring him. And he's 27, and he wants 10 million. I just don't know what the counter is with management when they're like, well, we can't afford that. Well, you're paying John. I'm outscoring him. Mm Mm-hmm. I am five years younger, and you're paying him 11, and you're telling me you can't give me 10? He's a very good argument. Yeah, He's a very good argument. It's uh, like one affects one the other. Like, we can't give you that because we're paying John 11. I know, but know? that's the, the corner they're painted in, right? Like, right. I, I, Look, I don't know if it's 10, but William Nylander in this market deserves 9. Just like Connor Hellebuck deserves 9. Which is exactly like, what we're about to As William talk about. Money said in Unforgiven, deserve has nothing to do with it. There's no money available by anybody. Somebody's got to pay you. Like you. Yes. You, know, you, asking, yeah, you exactly. deserve it all you want. Yeah. If nobody has it, then you got to blink. Jim Toth deserves a million a year. I don't think you're getting that here, are you? Just a million? Oh, sorry. You should hire me as your agent. I should, actually. I should <laughs> hire an agent. Probably take a pay cut. <laughs> Turns out, Toth... <laughs> This is way a bit grossly yeah. overpaying. Yeah.
1: You know, Will, Will Money also even though s-
2: even though it's just at this, it's still too much. What?
1: Will Money also said, "It's a hell of a thing killing a man. Take away all he's got, and all he's ever going to have."
2: That's right. That's what they're trying to do
1: to William Nylander. Yeah, trying to take him to the cleaners.
2: And then just like the kid in Unforgiven, he takes a belt of whiskey and goes, well, "Where's my money?" <laughs>
1: It's a like, great movie. I feel like oh, whiskey's not I, the I'm actually uh, going home and watch, I'm right. watching
2: that tonight. Unforgiven is one of the top 10 all-time movies ever made. Yeah. It's, it's an there. outstanding i got to but, watch but, that one too. But, thanks too a lot,
1: Skylar. Yeah, Cheers. I highly
2: recommend it, Skylar. You
1: should. Uh, 204-780-6868. 204-780-6868. Okay. Uh, we're going to have Mar- Marty Blunt, journalist with Global News, going to join us. Uh, she's down at Sioux Valley um, for Zach club's Day uh, day with the Cup. We're going to have her join us uh, right after this segment. But this is the latest news regarding Mark Shifley and Connor Hallibuck as we're talking contracts here and who deserves what and, and, and all this sort of content in, la- in yesterday's daily face-off rundown with Frank's Frank Cervelli on the podcast,
2: friend of the show, friend of the show. Always wanted to say
1: that. Yeah. I, I love that phrase. So I, was, so I- Colin Cowherd got me on that. He always said friend of the show. And I said, yeah. I always love that. Um, but, uh, Sarah Valley, um, Sarah Valley reported yesterday. Uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase what he was, what he exactly said, but, uh, it was in reference to Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck as a team being between a rock and a hard place in reference to the Winnipeg Jets. He said, they probably know that Shifley is not resigning and they know that Hellebuck isn't resigning. Servelli uh, went on to add that the Jets will need to try and find a way to replace both of them. He also said Shifley would probably be a really good trade deadline piece. But of course, the question goes to what if you're in the playoff mix? Um, in terms of Hellebach, uh, it's tough to make a big net minding trade in net at the trade deadline. It's a very rare thing to see a significant goalie traded as teams don't like to rejig their calling, uh, their goalie situation mid year. So he also went on to say that the Winnipeg jets are likely to start with what they have. He believes the situation in Winnipeg is worse than it is in Calgary. Um, and, uh, uh, sort of the the conversation is, what are the Winnipeg Jets uh, willing to give up? Um, And and what's the situation here? Uh, If they are in the mix, I ask you, Jim, what would the Winnipeg Jets be willing to give up for maybe two or three games of playoff revenue at the least? Um, I I don't don't think think that that factors into it. Um,
2: I just don't know what to say anymore because I think these guys have to get dealt – before the season. I, and I don't think it's going to happen. And I, I think that uh, you he- could go a month into the season. But, I mean, I think, like, teams in training camp do a lot of work on on getting out of the gate, and this is the direction we want to go. Now, things go off the rail with injuries. Things go off the rails mm-hmm. with, you know, maybe you lose seven one-goal games, and and you could be seven and three, and instead you're three and seven. But they do a lot of work on setting the tone for the season and training camp on what they want to be, where they want to go, and what they want to do. And to sort of uproot that five or six weeks into the season is – I I also saw on Daily Faceoff, I think it was Jason Gregoire who was on with them and talking about, like, if you look at the goalie trading market for the past 30 years, it's rarely good. Like, when you trade a goalie, it's rarely a big boom goalie return or whatever. There's just not a lot of star goalies ever being traded. Not to the elk of Connor Hellebuck, anyway. No, no. Like, Bodeur never got traded when contracts would come up, and mm-hmm. Patrick Waugh did get traded, but that's because he said, I just played my last game for you. Yeah. Um. It, but so I just, can you start the season? Yeah, you can, but if- Pecorino never got dealt, Henrik Lundqvist never Fra- got dealt. Like, There's a long Like, list. Frank is good. He knows what he's talking about. Yeah. And what I get from this is Frank knows quite well that Connor Hellebuck has, has told, they're, I'm not resigning there. He's To me, the report that I got from Frank, not I got from Frank, that I read on this and the way Frank operates from what I know, he knows that Connor Hellebuck has said I'm not Mm resigning. He can't confirm if Shifley's said the same thing or not, but his indications are. So that's what I read from the way he worded that is Connor Hellebuck is not resigning and they know, they know, but I don't, but I'm hearing that Shifley's not resigning after next year. So I just, again, trying to get equal or fair value for either of these guys is extremely difficult.
1: It's going to be There's not a lot impossible. of teams
2: going out there. You know what? I need a number one center. You have one. Here's my number one D guy. There's not a lot of those teams doing that. What teams are doing is I need that number one center to augment maybe in my second line, and I'll give you a couple of secondary pieces here. So I don't begrudge Mark or Kevin Sheveldayoff from trying to sort of get equal value. Like I need a, a, a dominated position player and you, you can have this dominating position player. It just doesn't seem to be out there. And then when you're talking about the money back to William money, deserve has nothing to do with it. it nobody has $9 million per year for Connor Hellebuck. He, they just don't. They don't know. And so, like I said earlier, and then, you know, Ken Weeb had that reference. He doesn't know if the $10 million is accurate, but he does, Seemed to thought no that they offered him a high term, double figure high-term contract for three years. And Hellebuck said no. So he's what do you do here? Like, and and I don't I don't think you know Kevin Chivodev's gonna be forced into anything, but you can't deal Connor Hellebuck at the trade deadline and get anything but picks and maybe a third-line guy. Yeah. Cause if I'm a contending team getting Connor Hellebuck, now you might get the goalie back, but what team in the playoff hunt and and fighting for Stanley Cup is going to go, here's my starting goalie for yours.
1: It's not going to happen. No, it's just in this texture says 204 780 68, 68, Them not traded before the season will only further the locker room mess by having these talks all season long until they get traded. I mean, this is really... That's a
2: factor, but he can't operate under that. He can't operate about what if the guys in the room... I mean, they, they concern themselves with that, but this is a bigger than that deal. Well, to does, me, what that texter is talking about yeah. is a Vander Kane. He's yeah. in the room. Is it an issue? Can they get along? That's what I, I can understand that Texas point yeah. there. These are two big of pieces for the future of this organization to worry about if I deal them in November, what's the guys in the room going to say that? Does, I got to worry about my overall long-term how, organization.
1: Does this have a potential to affect attendance?
2: If there's, a, const, if
1: there's a constant question, all right, what's going to happen with Hellebuck well, and Shifley? I mean, we're about I to mean, start it's, training
2: it's, camp. Who do you think the face of training camp is going to be?
1: Well, exactly. Is and, it
2: going to be Connor and Ehlers and Morrissey? And, and is it, it? How do you not put Hellebuck on there? How do you not put I, Shifley? I,
1: I, I think the Winnipeg Jets, despite the contrary and wanting to go out and win it, I have no doubt that's what their aim is going into the season. They're being forced into what they're what they're calling a retool. It's going to be closer to it's going to be halfway between that and a rebuild. They're not going to get the assets that they want from Shifley and Hellebuck. So then
2: you I- have to you have to work something out, Cam. That. You want my number one center, give me a, a, a second line winger and I'll throw in this winger and then give me the number one D man. Yeah. It, it, it's going to be something like that. Like, I don't think you're trading Mark Shifley for Jeremy Swayman. You I, I just don't no. think it. Or even no. Linus Allmark. Yeah. I think what it's going to be is maybe Jansen Harkins and Mark Shifley and maybe Ville Hanala. And then you give me your Brandon Carlo on the blue line, Linus Allmark and somebody else. And then when that deal is done, then you look at Hellebuck and you go, okay, I got Elmark Elmark for two more years. Who do we have in the system? And then I'll, I'll trade you a Hellebuck. I yeah. need a number one center. I'm not giving you a number one center. Well, give me your number one center prospect then that you're not going to use over the next two years. And then give me a, a top six winger. It's going to maybe I can ship yeah. that winger out for a second line center. Like it's, it, it's,
1: it's, you're going to, they're going to want to go, they're going to be teams that are going to be competing and to be able to pull those guys that you're mentioning, I, I just don't think it's going to happen. There there has to be an anticipation that you're going to get picks back and you're going to get, you might get blue chip prospects. You might get their number one prospect on forward, might get their number one prospect on defense. That is something that I think is going to be realistic here, that teams are going to be willing to give up. Like they always are willing to give up at the deadline. But if you're pulling, you're not going to be pulling in guys. They're going to say, we're going to make a deal at, at, at the, at the a month or a month and a half into the season. You're not going to get value for value. It's going to be future value for value at the like time. Like Villardi's
2: here because even if he goes to center in LA, he's not Pierre-Luc Dubois for probably two more years. Yeah, and and so then that works out. You throw in a couple other pieces and you come this way. It just yeah. it's hard for me to to picture going into this season. And getting pretty good value from a contending team that yeah. wants players that are going to help them contend.
1: Yeah, yeah. 204-780-6868, 204-780-6868. When we come back, Marnie Blunt with Global News. She is down uh, in Sioux Valley, and she's going to join us from uh, to talk about Zach Whitecloud and his day with the Cup. We'll be right back. Chats at noon on 680-CJOB. Welcome back to the show. Camp Poitras, Jim Toth here. And Jim, uh, we're going to be welcoming uh, Marnie Blunt on to the show. She is down at Sioux Valley, Dakota Nation uh, for a very special day. Marnie, are you there? I'm here. All right. Well, uh, what's going on? Tell us what's what's happening.
3: Well, there's a lot of excitement. There's been events kind of going on all morning in lead up to this. You might even be able to hear behind me a uh, Elvis impersonator happening right now. But there's been a powwow and there's just a lot of um, uh, energy happening uh, here in this community. Um, they're just so proud ever since the Stanley Cup win. And they're now just so excited that... Uh, uh, Zach Whitecloud is bringing the cup back to uh, their own home community. It's just a really good energy here today. Nothing
1: says a Stanley Cup party like Love Me Tender.
3: I was
2: going (laughs) to say, any celebration needs an Elvis impersonator, in my opinion. But even more fitting that he plays for the Vegas Golden Knights, so it's even better Uh, well done by Zach Whitecloud as part of his celebration Marty I wanted to ask you about uh, Zach himself obviously anybody brings a Stanley Cup home it's a huge deal but Zach's more than that to these people isn't he he's more of a role model not just because he was a hockey player but all the all the hard work he's put in and sort of the, the the goal that he had to dedicate himself to
3: Absolutely, and just his connection to this community and you know, I was talking with Chief Jennifer Bone and she's saying how much uh, The youth in this community look up to him and how he's their hero and I've and it reaches far beyond just Sioux Valley, Dakota To have spoke spoken with um, some people who've driven out from Calgary and just saying, you know He's an inspiration uh, to indigenous youth across this country um, so he's definitely uh, a lot of people are here looking up to him and ready to celebrate with him. Um I'm trying to, uh, his father is a counselor here in the community as well. So hopefully we'll catch up with him because I'm sure there's a proud uh Papa here today. <laughs>
2: No. Yeah, and Zach's dad joined me during the, the series with the Winnipeg Jets in round one from Brandon as he was just leaving his house in Brandon to drive to Winnipeg to catch the game. So we'll let you do that, Marnie. Also, I'm hoping to have Zach's dad on, on the show later on this afternoon as well.
1: Yeah, and Marnie, you're going to be uh, on the radio again and on TV later today, correct?
3: Yes, yes, I will be on Global News at 6 and 10 and uh, back on CJOB at 5. All what's right.
2: What's the day like, Marnie? Like, What are the plans with the Stanley Cup?
3: Uh, they're bringing, well, first of all, they're bringing it in here. They have, uh, kind of the powwow grounds here where they had the powwow and they're bringing it in here. Uh, the Stanley cup, um, I'm not sure about Zach's exact plans for the rest of the day, but the cups only here from one till two. And unfortunately it's on a bit of a tight timeline. So there's not even time for individual photos, unfortunately. Um, so it's on a pretty, pretty tight timeline, but we'll be here at the powwow grounds, uh, until two o'clock today.
1: Thanks a lot, Marnie. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Uh, Marnie Blunt, journalist with Global News down at Sioux Valley, Dakota Nation, Zach Whitecloud and his day with the Cup. You can hear more right here on 680 CGOB at 5 with the news with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham. And then again at 6 o'clock uh, on the on uh, Global News
2: Winnipeg. Keegan our yesterday. I had Kelly McCribbin on the Jim Toll Show about two weeks ago about his day. Uh, one of the first to have it. Of course, Brad Howden had it out in Oak Bank um, and uh, Mark Stone. Uh, it's... It's seen a lot of the province this Stanley Cup this summer.
1: Yeah, it sure has. 204-780-6868, 204-780-6868. Just reporting and continuing the conversation of a time for a few more text messages. Uh, the latest on the Daily Faceoff rundown. Frank Cirovalli, uh talking about Mark Shifley and Connor Hallebach, About the Winnipeg Jets being a rock and a hard place. Shifley probably not re-signing in Winnipeg. He reports Hellebach isn't re-signing, uh, and the Jets are going to have to find a way to, re- we're going to try and find a way to replace both. 204-780-6868, 204-780-6868. Um, a text message uh, here, uh, this one is from uh, Nathan. Uh, well, actually, I'll, I'll just move on here. A uh, call says, "Would New Jersey trade their f- next first and Vanacek for Hellebuck before the season starts?" It's a mon- now it's a money situation with with New Jersey.
2: Yeah, that that doesn't alleviate any of the space they need. They can't afford uh, Connor Hellebuck six point two million this year. They need to move some cash out, and it, even like my idea of if I'm Connor Hellebuck and I want nine, and New Jersey comes calling, mm-hmm. I say, "Get me to New Jersey." And I will sign six to eight years at seven and a half million, Mm -hmm. even though I want nine, because I know I'll have a legitimate shot at the the Stanley Cup for at least the next four to five years. Mm -hmm. Who knows what's going to happen and stuff, but maybe he doesn't want to go to Ninja Like this is all the things that the reason it's difficult is where do these guys want to go? And you can trade them. But are they going to re-sign there? Like we had a texter here. We we need you to text in on Free for All Friday because the idea of a hellabuck for Connor Bedard in Chicago isn't going to go. Hey, I
1: do that trade. Chicago. I, I he's make not that gonna trade. Re-
2: he's not going to re-sign in Chicago, and and I know you're being funny with the Bedard aspect of it, but he's not going to re-sign long-term in Chicago. So Chicago is going to give you what for Connor Hellebuck?
1: That's an example of the trades that are just not going to happen. It's not, it's going to be towards a team that's going to bring Hellebuck in with the hopes of making a run and re-signing him.
2: The reason it could go into a season is if a contending team has a devastating knee injury to one of the, their starting goalie, and then they might go, you know what? Who cares about long term? Let's get Hellebuck yeah. here and let's like Carolina.
1: See, there's too much. Carolina ifs. has, has, has Freddie ifs Anderson there, yeah.
2: and Antti Rantana. If I'm Carolina, I want Connor Hellebuck for the next seven years. Yeah. It's $9 million. Again, Carolina has to move three or four pieces out to make that happen. But I would include a Freddie Anderson or an Antti Ranta coming the other way. And I would try. But you need to know he's going to be locked up, right? Mm-hmm. He's. You're not going to send a goalie and something else out to make room in the cap space for a guy who's going to be here for a year. Now, Carolina might do it for a year. I don't know. But there's not a lot of teams going to do that. Yeah. And then I don't know how Hellebuck's – it, it's well apparent that Hellebuck's not going to resign here, according to many insiders Yes, now. we've heard that we from speculated several. speculated for a while. We've heard it from several. But what's the other aspect of this? Is he willing to play anywhere for this year, or does he have a team in mind that he wants to sign with? Does he have five? Mm-hmm. Is part of this discussion him going, these are the five teams that I'll consider signing long-term with? Is it part of the discussion that – like we all know Dubois wanted to go to – to Montreal, and then when that wasn't going to happen, it became like there's five teams that he would consider. I don't. We, nobody knows the discussions around that, but yeah.
1: with I, I think I look at Hellebuck and him wanting to win. Um, he's won everything else. The guy just wants to win. In my perspective, he's looking at this Winnipeg Jets team and he's thinking. Um, Either, you know, maybe just wants to change the scenery. Maybe that's the situation. Or is he looking at this and saying, I don't believe that this team can compete this year. I don't believe they can compete next year or the year after that.
2: But John, like John texted in, said, when Frank Servelli says things are worse in Winnipeg than Calgary, what is he getting at? It seems more people want out of there than here at least publicly. And I said, because the players in Calgary are listening to contracts, but want the money they can't afford. Yeah. Here, the two jets apparently have said it, it's not the money. We're just not resigning here. That's why like the Elias Lindholm yeah. is listening because at $9 million for eight years, he's not going to get that anywhere else. No,
1: no, absolutely not. 204-780-6868. Thanks so much, uh, everybody. Uh, for texting in the show. Real, real busy one. Uh, thanks to Marnie Blunt, Global News Journalist, for joining us. Luke Korak, St. Louis Blues writer. You can find the podcast on Spotify, on Apple, Jets at Noon, at like you're sending an email. Thank you very much, Jeffrey Forche, for producing the show. Jim told to take you all the way till 3 o'clock. That's it for being back same time tomorrow. See ya from Southwood Golf and Country Club for the Centerport, Canada Rail, Manitoba Open. Jets at Noon on 680-CJOB.